Well, get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would go to the book of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4. Praise the Lord. You glad to be in church this morning? Well, I'm glad you showed up too. I got a message this morning. It's kind of preaching towards our communion. We have a communion service here at the end of, at, at the, end of the service here. Uh, I want you to know if you're a guest with us this morning. I'm so glad you're here with us. And, uh, but we have an open communion service. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're more than welcome to have communion with us. So kind of be thinking about that because that's where we're headed at the end of the service. So the title of this message this morning, I actually have a title. It's the three ifs. I-F-S, ifs, the three ifs. So go here in Luke chapter 4, and we're going to talk about if this morning. I'm going to start reading verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said, If... Everybody say, if. if. You are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and all their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if, everybody say, if. You will worship before me. All this will be yours. And Jesus answered and said, Get behind me, Satan. For it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If, come on, say it. You are the Son of God. Throw yourself down from here. For it's written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So now when the devil had ended these temptations, he departed from him until an opportune time. Three times the devil came to Jesus. Three times he spoke to him. And three times he used the word if. If is a dangerous word. All right? If's a dangerous word. But look at something here. I'll get into that in just a minute. The first thing the devil tempted Jesus was, he said, if you're the son of God, all right? Now, I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the devil credit for this. He's been around forever, and he knows how to trick us. He knows how to tempt us. He knows how to test us. He knows what, to, what bait we'll go for, right? No fisherman goes out and goes fishing, doesn't kind of know what bait to use for the fish. He knows what bait's going to get you. What bait may get you may not get me. Right? We all have different temptations. Different things that will trick us. But the, but the devil's got three things that he really likes to use against humanity. Because you see, what he wants to do is, no matter what you are, who you are, where you are, what, you're, what anything is about you, your status, your whatever, the enemy, the devil, does not want you to have any success and any relationship with God. All right, that's his main motive. He doesn't care about you personally, per se. You know, one of the quotes I hate more than anything is, you know, in, in, in the business world, a lot of times people will, 
you know, do something not right. And they'll say, well, listen, it's, it's business. It's not personal. I hate that. Matter of fact, I determined the next time anybody said it to me, I'm just going to punch them. Because if you just destroyed somebody in business, it is personal. It personally touched me. It's not about, it's not business. It's personal, okay? Well, but the devil's kind of like that. He's like, to you, he's like, it's not personal. It's just business. My business is trying to keep you from serving God. And he's got three main tactics he's going to work here with you at. He's going to always come at you with. The number one right here, not in order, but just the first thing, is he said he's going to attack you about who you are. He's going to say, if you're the son of God, if you belong to Jesus, if you're truly saved, if you, who do you think you are? Why would your prayer be answered? Why, why would God do anything for you? If you were really good, you wouldn't have done that. If God loved you, he'd have done this. If, he's always throwing if out there. He loves to do it. And you need to learn that when that happens to you and when that's coming towards you, it's nothing but a demonic attack. You need to recognize it for what it is. Put your foot down and say, no, I am born again. I'm a child of God. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I love him. He loves me. End of story. That's it. And then you know what? Just like Jesus did, the devil then is going to go. Because the Bible says we resist, he flees. Right? But if you sit there and listen to it, and you let it talk to you, and you let it yag, 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 yag in your ear, and you keep saying, well, you know, that's right. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, a good God only blesses good people that do everything right. And, uh, and you get into this, and you start playing the what if game. Because you're playing his game. And you're not good enough to play his game. You're going to get beat. Like right now, uh, I think Chad Hillis is up there at the front. Door, I think, what is he, six, seven? And if y'all were going to, we put a basketball net in here right now, and y'all want to take bets on who's going to be able to dunk the ball, me or him? I mean, I don't think he might be betting on me. I mean, somebody y'all might be crazy enough to say, you know, I don't know, pastor might have some supernatural ability. He might could. I mean, there might be something that he could just do. I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's worth. Odds look good. Because I'd want some odds. <laughs> Y'all with me? And I'm not going to go and play the devil's game. You're not going to win. The only way to shut him up is to quote the word of God, stand in the truth and say, that's it. This is what the truth is. That's why I'm so always, I say it over and over and over and over and over again. I've been saying it a whole life. You've got to know that you know that you know that you know that you're born again. You cannot know it because... You got a certificate at a church or because you went down to the front or because you've been baptized or because your mama was good or your daddy was good or whatever. You got to know down here inside of you that you can't be talked out of it, that you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and that he is the Lord and Savior of your life and he has saved you and his blood's washed your sins away. And that's the only way you can stand because otherwise the devil's going to talk you out of it. All right. Okay. So the second time he came to Jesus. And so what, what, let me just put it this way. So the first person on here, I, what I said is that person that's been listening to the devil playing the what ifs, they're just out of service. In other words, they're not functioning because the devil's got them tricked and he's got them in this place of doubt and unbelief. And so they're just out of service. They're, 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 they're not going anywhere. All right. Everybody say out of service. Look at the person beside you said, I hope you're not out of service. 
So the second one here, okay, then he came to me and said, look, look, all this world, all this thing I've got in the world, all the glitter, all the glitz, all the glory I've got in this world, I'll give it to you if, here he comes again, you'll serve me, if you'll worship me, if you'll make me Lord of your life. Well, the second thing is there's no great big huge theological thing here. Listen, it just was, are we going to serve the world or are we going to serve God? I mean, the bottom line is, are we going to seek after God or are we going to seek after the world? You know, the, I, I read a story years ago. I, some of y'all may know this, if you're farming and anything. You know the Krause offset plow? Y'all know what that is? A Krause offset plow? You know, the offset disc? We've got offsets around here all the place. Where you plow, it's a new way of plowing. The man was a Christian. And prayed, and God, he dreamed that dream, and God gave him that idea for that plow, and that's how he developed the very first one and, and became extremely wealthy and lived on 10% of his income and gave away 90. Okay, he didn't seek the world. The world sought him. In other words, he, made, he became wealthy seeking God. It's all about priorities and who you're going to put first in life. And so the devil's coming, he was tempting Jesus. I'll give you all of this if you'll worship me. Here's another if. So the this, this second if here, the second thing going on here, is it's just, a, it's just that simple. Is God going to be first in our life? Now listen to me. I don't, there's nothing in the world wrong with enjoying this life. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're put here. You might as well enjoy it. You might as well have joy. There's nothing wrong with, with running a business. There's nothing wrong with uh, doing all this stuff. I'm not saying you just sit on a pillar and... Pray all the time, but you know if God's first in your life or not. Because you see, if God's involved in everything in your life, every decision you're making, your family, the way you're raising your children, and your, the way you're doing your job, everything, God is first in that. Listen to me. You're going to be successful. Hello? So the person that's seeking the world, I just put this one down as they're just out to lunch. The first one, the devil's just got them out of service. Now they're just out to lunch. In other words, they're just out enjoying and doing whatever, and, uh, but it's going to not work well. All right? So the third one here. So then he comes to him and says, look. Now he takes the word of God. He twists the word of God. He said, oh, Psalms 91 says, oh, don't, 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 be, don't think it's odd that the devil quotes Scripture. He took Psalms 91, twisted it around, told Jesus, hey, the hey, he said he'd give his angels charge of you. So let's go up to the top of the pinnacle of the temple and throw yourself off. Twisted the word of God. And Jesus said, man, what are you talking about? That's what's the tempt the Lord your God. Right? All right. This third if here, because he says, if you're the son of God, throw yourself off. This third if right here is that is, is simply that. Sometimes people, as Christians, start twisting the Word of God to fit their needs and their pleasures. They start twisting what the Bible says. They start taking Scripture here and a Scripture there to fit their own desires and their own needs. They twist it around, all right? The devil loves to do that. He loves to get a Christian. If he knows a Christian's not going to quit going to church, he's not going to quit serving the Lord, then he just wants to get him off on his doctrine. Hello? It's like I told y'all, I told y'all this years ago before it ever happened, that there would be a church that would start having communion with pot, marijuana, as soon as it starts to get to be legalized, because people are going to get crazy and get twisted. 
I one time was in, in, <laughs> in uh, the jails preaching, and uh, there was a guy there, and he was telling me, he had, he had it down. He had it down. He started quoting me scripture. Well, it says in Genesis 1, God gave us all the herbs, and marijuana's an herb, and God gave us marijuana. He gave it to us for, I mean, he had it down, and I just sat there and listened to him talking. I mean, he preached it. He threw it down and preached it to me. I said, that's great. I said, by the way, what are you in here for? He said, oh, drug charges. <laughs> I said, so it ain't working too well for you, is it, buddy? It didn't work. Your doctrine's not producing fruit. He said, I never thought about it like that. I was like, yeah, the enemy got the word twisted enough in you that got you off that you ended up in here. So I just wrote this, 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 this one down as they're just out of mind. In other words, they're, they're, they're up here in their mind. That's all they're serving God by is their mind. They've twisted the word. That's what the devil's going to come to you. He's going to come to you and try to get you to doubt who you are. He's going to come to you, and he's going to try to get you to think that there's something better in the world for you than God could offer you. And then he's going to get you to this. If he can't do the first two, he's going to come at you and try to get you off on your doctrine. That preacher, he ain't right. I'm telling you what And you're just going to spend your whole time messing around with that stuff. All right? So let me go on with this. So the devil loves the word if, because that's not my main message. That was just hors d'oeuvre. He loves the word if. He loves to throw if at you. Okay? What if? Maybe if. Only if. Someday if. Could I? If. I will if. Hello? He loves the word if. So I started looking up this word. What is this word if? In Webster's Dictionary, it says it's, you know, because I was thinking, what is if? Is it a verb? I mean, I know it wasn't a verb. I knew it wasn't a noun, but it's an adjective. What is this adverb? What is this verb? It's a, it's just says it's a conjunction word. That's all if is, is a conjunction word. And this is what got me. It, the meaning. This is what Webster's wrote. This isn't what Robert wrote. This is what Webster's Dictionary wrote. The meaning is on the assumption that. That's what if means. On the assumption that. Now, my daddy taught me a long time ago, don't ever operate on assumption. You're going to get yourself in serious trouble. All right? Do not operate assuming things, because if you assume things, you may be wrong. And then you've built everything, and you've assumed, and it's wrong, okay? Know the facts. So then I looked up the word assumption. Now, listen to the word assumption. Sometimes I realize, I've wondered why it's been so hard for me to really learn uh, Spanish really good, and it's because I can't speak English. <laughs> I look up words all the time, and I'm like, I didn't know that's what that meant. That's what that word means. Assumption means a taking to or upon oneself. Again, this is according to Webster's Dictionary. A taking to or upon oneself, such as the assumption of a new position. The taking to or upon oneself, assuming, taking to or upon oneself. So, so then that means if you're saying, well, God, if you would have only done this, if God, if this, God, if you would have, God, I would do this if, that then you're putting yourself in the position of thinking you had a better plan than God did. You assumed you knew better. Let me give you an example. In John eleven twenty one, 21, at the death of Lazarus, okay? 
Lazarus has died. Jesus was off preaching. Lazarus has died. They sent people to him. He waited three or four days, went back over there. Lazarus is dead. The first thing Martha says to Jesus when he showed up was in verse 21. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, Martha had faith to believe that if Jesus would have been there, right, he'd have performed a miracle. But she's looking at it from the, from the perspective that it's all over with. She's lost her brother. He cannot be alive again. Because ain't nobody been heard about resurrecting the dead. Right? It wasn't in her thinking. It wasn't in her mind, her concept, that Lazarus could be raised from the dead. So therefore, she'd already counted it all of us a loss. And she said, Lord, if only you'd been here, because she was assuming the position that if, I, if God was here, if I was God, I would have just showed up before he died. Right? Lord, if only you'd, only, if only you'd been here. So you cannot tell me that Martha, Martha was a good woman, but you can't tell me that the devil had not whispered in her ear, yeah, see, he didn't really love you. Jesus cares more about other people. He wouldn't even show up. Yeah, he preaches love. But where was he when you needed him? Yeah, he's off over there somewhere else. He's found somebody that likes better than you. She was eat up with this. Now, I could tell you all this. I, in all my years of serving the Lord, 30-plus years of, 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 of living my life for Jesus, I have said that prayer. Lord, if you'd have been here. Because things hadn't always gone right in my life, and I would have thought that it would have been different. And I'd have surely, I, I have to admit it, I'd take it, I've taken my position on the throne that if I was God, I'd have done something different. And I think we all have. Right? But when you start looking at what if means, and what assumption means, then now it's kind of making me look at it and say, wait a minute, I'm thinking I'm smarter than God? I'm thinking that I know better than he does? Now listen, what was the better miracle? Lazarus gets sick. <coughs> I've got a sore throat. I don't know what he died of, okay? So whatever. <laughs> but he just starts the effects of whatever. He's just got some fever and sweat, and, <coughs> and Jesus comes in, lays his hands on him, and that wouldn't have been written in the Bible. But Jesus waits till he's dead. He's in the grave. Stinking. And then he comes up and he says, oh, you faithless bunch. Roll the stone back. Everybody's like, what? And he hollers in the grave, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out hopping. That's thus saith Robert. But I'm telling you, if a guy's wrapped in grave, grave clothes, there is no way he's coming out of there but hopping. Freaks everybody out. I mean, come on. If you went, I mean, just, just think about it. Just think about it. It's real. It's not a story. It's not a children's nursery rhyme. It happened. So which was more impactful? But nobody was thinking about it. See, Mar Martha wasn't thinking about it. Martha wasn't thinking about, it's okay. Jesus is coming. It's okay. Everything will be okay. All she could see was it didn't go the way she thought it should have. 
And folks, I want to tell you something. When you get into that place where you're assuming the position of how God should move and do things, then what's happening to you is you're setting yourself up for a fall because I'm telling you, our thoughts are not God's thoughts and our ways are not his ways. He's always got a higher way of thinking than we got. Always. Always. And what you've got to do is come to the place in life where you're not playing the what-if game, the or-if game, or this game with God. What you're playing with God is simply by his rules. And you're saying, you know, Lord, I'm a believer. I believe in you, and I trust in you. And come what may, you're going to always get me out. Whether I'm thrown in the fire, I'll come out not smelling like smoke. God, I trust you. And when you get into that place, the devil doesn't have any way to get hold of you. He doesn't have any way to torment you. Because all of a sudden now, you're just being a believer. That's what a believer is. A believer. Let me show you another one. Mark chapter 9. And this is where I want to get into here. Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It's a story of a man who's got a sick child. And it says in Mark 9, 14, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him and greeted him. And, asked, and he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. For he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Now bring him to me. Now, Jesus had just been up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he just came down. And so when he comes down, he sees this scene. Here are the scribes, the religious people of the day, talking to his disciples over there. It says they were disputing with them. So in other words, that wasn't friendly conversation, right? They're trying to throw them off doctrine. They're trying to trap them in some way. They're trying to twist words. They're trying to say this, that, or the other to get the disciples off. Why? Because that's what they do. All right? I want to tell you something. I didn't hear the conversation. It's not written, but I can guarantee you there were some ifs. So what ifs? Well, if he was really the son of God, because they were always saying, well, if he was really the son of God, he'd be keeping the law because he would keep the law of Moses and he hasn't kept it. He healed on the Sabbath. It always amazes me. Jesus could heal a person on the Sabbath. The person gets miraculously healed. He's miraculously healed. And nobody notices that. They only are saying, oh, he broke the law because he healed on the Sabbath. Nobody's rejoicing that the sick person got healed. That's crazy. The, 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 the dramatic ones, you know, like, like the, the woman who was all bent over. And then he, he, she gets healed. Boom, stands up straight. And everybody says, oh, he healed on the Sabbath. Like, what? What is wrong with your thinking? Why did everybody look at that woman standing straight? They didn't because they were caught up, wrapped up in their brains about what was wrong. He couldn't be the son of God. So they were disputing with the disciples. They were throwing the ifs at them. To get them into doubt. Why? Because doubt is the opposite of faith. And God moves by faith. And if he can get doubt seated in, well then it negates the power of God working in your life. So the disciples 
not realizing, I mean, the, 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 the scribes and the Pharisees, not knowing that they were being agents of the devil, but they were, are throwing the what-ifs out, causing them to doubt, so that the man's kid can't get healed. Do you, does the man care about what the disciples are thinking? Think about this. No, he just wants his son healed, right? That's all he really cares about, is is his son going to get healed? He doesn't care who's right, or the scribes, or the Pharisees, or the disciples, or who or what. He's not caring about all that stuff. He's not caring about all that religious jargon. You know, most people in the world do not care about what church doctrine is, but they want to go someplace that the power of God's moving. Hello? I pray you're not in church today because, you know, you, you agree with our doctrine. I pray you're in church today because you're hungry for God and you feel this is a place where the Spirit of God speaks to you. That's a whole lot more important. Hello? The world out there today is looking for the power of God to be moving in their life. They want to see something happening. They want to see Christians that are Christians, Christians that are being changed. Not Christians that just think they're better than everybody else or whatever. They want to know that what joy is. They want to know what peace is. You know, this is a good thing for single guys this morning, what I'm about to say, uh, to tell you, maybe. But I read a survey the other day that said the number one thing that single women are looking for in men this day is kindness. Not the great body, not the great physique. Kindness. That's what it said. The number one thing that women are looking for today. Kindness. Wow. That changes everything, doesn't it? But you see what the world does, what the world does, is it wants to just, it wants to get you off looking at the wrong thing. But the truth of the matter is, there's a world out there today, out in this world that we're around every day, everybody's out in the world, they just want to see something real. They want to see something they can believe in that does move and operate in their life. And I'm telling you, it's Jesus. I'm telling you, as Christians, sometimes we get too set in our ways, get to forgetting what Jesus has delivered us from, from the life of misery we would have had without him. I want you just for a second to stop and think about where would you be today without Jesus? I wouldn't be here for sure. You stop and think about that. What has he delivered you from? Life of misery and hell. Sometimes we're just trying to get to the next phase. To the, we, we, we're, it's like we're, we're, serving our, our, we're serving Jesus to get up the success ladder. Folks, I want to tell you something. I'm just glad this morning I'm not going to hell. I am glad this morning that I know that I know that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm just glad to know that, man, my sins are forgiven, that I can go up and say, hey, Dad, how are you doing, and not get thrown out of heaven, or him say, who is that? Hello? I'm glad to know that greater is he that's in me and he that's in this world. I'm glad to know that Jesus is alive. He's not dead. I'm glad to know that he can come and move in every situation, circumstance in life. If I'll just quit listening to the devil and listening and playing what if and get him to moving in my life. Back up and say, Lord, I believe in you. I am a believer. So he goes on here in the story. Jesus says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So they brought him to him. And when he saw him immediately, the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground and he wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? He said, from childhood. He's often thrown himself both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. 
But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, here you go. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. He didn't say if you were good. He didn't say if you were perfect. He didn't say if you did everything right. He didn't say if you were, you know, uh, white privilege, black privilege, brown privilege. He didn't say if you had so much money in the bank. He said if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe. Are you going to be a believer? And immediately the father of the child cried out. Now, this is, I think this guy was praying pretty honestly. I don't think he really knew what to ask for, but he was praying pretty honestly. And he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, ah, you're stretching me on this one, Lord. Help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And sometimes that's not a bad prayer to be praying. You're saying, Lord, I believe in you, but, but I got to get some crazy thinking out of my head, so help my unbelief. Right? I, Lord, I do believe in you, and I have seen you do great things in my life, but I'm trying, to, I'm trying to learn some better ways, so help my unbelief. All right? But listen to me. Jesus said, if you can believe, it's a, it's a proven fact. They have done this in study after study after study that you can go in and you can give patients in a hospital pills that are nothing but placebos. And you can give them a placebo and tell them this pill is a new pill is taken from a new deal and whatever, and it says they haven't seen great results. And if a person believes in what's going on, that it changes the reaction that they have in their bodies. Your faith is what produces everything in your life, church. And we do understand the principles of faith. You operate in faith all the time. Simple faith, you operate in it all the time. You turn the key on your car, you expect it to start. There's things that you do in faith all the time. You, you've been baking all your life, a certain batch of cookies or a cake or a certain way, and you know the ingredients to put in there, and you know just a pinch of this and a pinch of that. I was trying to get my wife to help me uh, learn how to cook, and, and she said, well, you just put some of this in there and that. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, you got, I mean, you got no measurement here? I mean, what am I? I mean, well, just, you know, just take a spoonful. Just or, uh, big, What, big spoon, little spoon, teaspoon? What kind of spoon? I mean, it's a big bunch of different spoons in there, sweetheart. You got one you serve beans on, you know, you got to I mean, don't tell me a spoonful. I mean, a spoonful can be a huge difference. And she couldn't tell me. And I'm like, well, how can I learn this if you can't tell me a measurement? I can't just sit here and watch you. Your fingers are smaller than mine. You just, oh, just get a pinch. Well, boy, how much is a pinch? Well, it just goes to taste. I said, well, I don't want it to taste bad. Y'all with me? But you do things by faith all the time. By faith, you're just operating. I don't think about breathing. I just breathe. Until I start thinking about it. There's <laughs> some reason you can't breathe when you start thinking about breathing. You're like, oh, God, I can't breathe. Oh. We're strange beasts. We are strange beasts, I'm telling you. Right? And Jesus said, if you can just believe, all things are possible to him that believe. But how many times have you, somebody told you to do something 
or you were forced into doing something and the whole time you're saying, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And then finally it didn't work. And you said, see, I told you it wasn't going to work. Well, the whole time you've been doubting. The whole time you've just been conjuring every devil in hell to come up there and help make sure it didn't work. And he says, see, I told you it wouldn't work. You got to have faith, church. Faith is simply believing. I believe. Listen to me. Hear, hear, hear me. This is some simple things I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that because he arose from the dead. You say, were you there? Did you see it? No, but I, he's touched me. He's, he's touched my heart. I've seen him move. I've seen him do things. I know he's real. I know he's alive. You're not going to convince me he's not. When they wrote the Apostles' Creed down, can you imagine how that went off? Just think about it. The apostles sat down and said, we need to write like a, a, like a manifesto here of our faith. We're going to, you know, they didn't call it probably the Apostles' Creed right back then. Somebody else put a religious name on it. We're going to write down what we believe. What do we believe? And they started going through it. What do you believe? See, when I really wasn't born again and had Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I believed there was a God. I didn't ever see. No one ever told me. I can remember, and, and you know, everybody has their moment. I can remember working cattle, and we were, we were doing embryo transplanting in cattle, and I remember going into the vet. We were there. We, we, we were on the ranch, and the vet had his microscope all set up, and he had the embryos under the microscope. And he said, here, son, come here and look at this. I was 16, 17. Went in there, and I looked at the microscope, and I saw cells dividing. I saw one cell that had only divided four times. I saw other cells that had divided a whole bunch of times, and I was looking at it. And I remember looking through that microscope, looking at that cell that I had to look at with a microscope, and it hit me. That will grow up one day and could be a 2,000-pound bull. And I'm looking at it right now in a microscope. And when I saw that, the, the, the awesomeness of that touched my heart and, and affirmed to me that there was a God. That that could not just happen because it just happened. Because one rock bounced into another rock and had to happen to fall out here and just happen to hit in the right place that just got the right temperature, that just got all the right stuff, and that something crawled up out of the ocean and made that. Now, when I was a young man, I remember having a, 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 I guess it was like a biology book or something like that, and it had the, the theory of evolution in it, you know, and there's a little bitty monkey. And it went up to, got up to be a bigger monkey and finally got into a man, you know. And I remember looking at that thinking, ain't no way. <laughs> I'm just a country boy. Look at that. Ain't no way. And I remember somebody, somebody said, well, that's what they say. And I said, well, maybe you came from a monkey. I didn't come from a monkey. Look at that thing out right there. <laughs> no way that came from there. I mean, it just was in me. I'm not, no one was telling me anything. No one, I was, I, I, you know, I, I'm just saying my common sense said that ain't possible. And when I looked at that embryo, that egg, dividing in cells and think one day it'd be a 2,000-pound bull. It hit me. There was a God. I believed in God. I believed in heaven. I believed in hell. I believed in those things before I ever accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believed that Jesus was a religious man. I believe he walked on the earth. I believed that. When I asked Jesus to come into my life, it wasn't because it was the first time I ever heard of him. 
But it was the first time I ever believed that he is the son of God and that he could forgive me of my sins. That's what changed my life. That's the day that I knew that I knew that I knew down on the inside of me that I was right with God because Jesus touched me. And you weren't there with me that day when I was standing in the barn about to end my life, and I found life. And you're not ever going to tell me that Jesus isn't real. That's my belief. Folks, listen to me. Quit living your life in this world then without him. You see, that's what we do as Christians. We have those experiences. We know that Jesus is real. We know he touched us, but then we're just going about living our lives. Like it was a one-time experience. That was it. Last scripture I'll give you, 1 John 5, 4. John says, and this is the victory that overcomes this world. It's our faith that what is on the inside of you connected to the power of God is what gives you the victory in this life over whatever. It's already in you the day that you believed in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The power of God, the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you, and it's in you. And the way you operate and walk in that authority and that victory and that power is by faith. That's your victory in life. And if you believe it, all things are possible to those who believe. If you're playing what if, sorry, it won't work. Isn't it amazing that you can have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead in you, the same power that created this world, all those trees out there, everything you see, that same power living on the inside of you, and it lays there dormant if faith doesn't activate it. Lays there dormant. See, the other day, sometimes I forget about this. I, 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 I'm, I've, I've pastored here for so long and preached for so long that sometimes I forget about like how anybody else lives without Jesus. And I was talking with the person the other day, and they were talking to me, and they're asking me about my life, and they didn't know me. And I sort of just said, oh, yeah, well, you know, this happened, and yeah, I was going to kill myself, and then Jesus touched me, and so my life. You know, I started telling them all the stories, and they said, well, you know, you, you ever had any stress in life, you know? And stress, yeah, oh, yeah, you know. Broke, million dollars in debt, God delivered me of that, you know, and yeah. Uh, kidnapped me in Venezuela, yeah, I was delivered from that, yeah, I've been... Eight times somebody's tried to kill me, you know, yeah, but God always delivered me from that. And they're like, they're just looking at me like, who are you? And I said, I'm just Robert. Yeah, I'm just my life. Well, I grew up, lived, just web, just life. Just nothing. I don't even seem in it seem like it's abnormal. And they were just awestruck, listen, listen to me. And I'm like, this is the kind of life I live. This is the Jesus I serve. This is what happens. Faith happens. Yeah, oh yeah, you get caught, you get trapped, and oh, God delivers me. Oh, you get caught, oh, God delivered me. This is life. This is the way it works. This is the glory of living the Christian life. Paul said, yeah, they tried to kill me. They beat me. They stoned me. They did all these things, but oh, God delivered me. That's just life. When he's on the inside of you, folks, it's in, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, St. Bowers on the inside of you. And that's your victory. Your faith and your belief in him. Amen.
So we're going to have communion now. Sweetie, can you come on up and play? By the way, those that don't know, Sweetie's my wife, so. And I am having an affair with the piano player, so. Yeah, it's like one time here in church, years, years, it's been years and years ago, somebody came up to me and said, yeah, hey, hey uh, Robert, do you know that there's a man that every week he kisses your wife? I said, who? Who kisses my wife? And he said, oh, the gentleman over there. I said, well, that's your father. <laughs> hey, he can do what he wants to, you know? <laughs> so I just want to make sure everybody knows everybody here so then. Nobody leaves, and you see that pastor called the piano player, sweetie? So we're going to have communion. And folks, listen to me. Cast doubt out. Just cast doubt out of your life today. Just come take communion and get rid of your doubt and unbelief. Make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior and believer, the one you're believing in in life. Now, this is what I want to tell you. For everybody out there listening and watching today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right wherever you are, just call out to Him. And say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me clean. Make me new. And right there He will. He'll come into your life. He'll touch you. Your life will be changed and transformed and then that power of God will be inside of you. And that's your victory. If you're in here, church, today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well then, I want to... I want to give you just a minute. I want to ask everybody just to bow your heads for just a moment. Give everybody a little privacy around you. But if you're here today and today's your day and you're ready to make a commitment to Jesus and you've never done it before but today you want to know that you're right with God you want to know your sins are forgiven and you want to pray I want to ask you just to lift your hand and say yeah pastor that's me I want to pray this morning I want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want everybody just to look up. Now I'm going to have my prayer team down here. I'm going to serve them, communion, and they're going to be here. And if you're in here today and you need prayer for anything, they're here to pray for you. I believe in a God of miracles. I believe that when you ask in prayer, the Bible says if two of us agree is touching anything, it will be done. So let's be believers in here today. If you need prayer, they're here to pray. You just grab one of them and they'll pray. But go ahead and start to prepare your hearts right now. Get yourself ready to take communion. Can I have my, my prayer team and pastoral team come down so I can serve you? There's one more thing I'd like to ask you this morning. Is Franklin Graham put out a, a request to churches today?
or I guess really to everybody, not just churches, that we would make this a national day of prayer for our president. You know, church, I want to tell you something. I have my own personal beliefs. But what I want to say is, I don't know about y'all, but I'm just sick and tired of all the naysaying, all the backbiting, all the this, that's, and the other. I'm, I'm so tired of it. And so I ask you here, as, as you're preparing your hearts, begin just to pray. We lift up our president and pray for him today. The Bible says that in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, now take and eat, for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, today we take this bread and we break it and we thank you for your broken body on the cross so that we can be whole. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name. And afterwards, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. That's what this cup represents, church. His blood poured out for you so your sins can be washed away. You come up here this morning and you repent. His sins wash his his blood washes your sins away. No one should have any guilt when you leave this church today. Forgiveness is here under the new covenant. Grab it. Believe it. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to the Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.